It's movie time. Welcome back, everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, whatever you don't celebrate. Welcome back. It's the Movie Time Podcast from your Popzari pals over at popzari.com. This is Managing Editor Nathan Evans, back once again to spread holiday cheer. Back once again with my co-host, Mr. Ethan Brem. Ethan, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Uh, when I wake up, I'm getting a CAT scan. Are you getting a CAT scan? Merry Christmas. So, uh, it's, uh, sorry about the music. It's just that it's really hard to find music that won't get you taken down for... <laughs> You know, recordings because a lot of those Christmas yeah. songs are actually like copyright to hell, and they will yeah. come after you. They're not very Christmassy. But no, it's uh, we do this once in a while. It's uh, we do a Halloween theme themed thing. But you know what's funny? We could just as easily do a Christmas theme, and the movies would be exactly the same because there's so many uh, there's so many horror films based around Christmas, and it's crazy. Yeah. It's actually nuts. Ladies and gentlemen, Ethan got to pick the films this year. So if you love them, you can just adulate him. You can send him all the huzzas. And if you hate, you can send him all the coal and all the stinky, the stinky <laughs> presents. We are here talking about two films. Now, before I get into it, I want to say one film is about body horror. It's about indentured servitude, forced servitude, slavery, you might say, um, <laughs> marriage by force. I'm talking about that wonderful family film of 1994, The Santa Claus, starring Tim Allen. It has all those things. Yeah, it does actually. Um, yeah. Very well. The, yeah, the forced marriage. That's in the more of the sequel. So. Yeah, yeah, the sequel. I would say, yeah. But it does it does come up because, and we'll get into it. But frankly, it's it's a horror film. It really is a horror film disguised as a family film. It's kind of like three movies in one, a little bit. Um, but they bleed together really well. They do. They do bleed. I would say this. They definitely bleed. Blood. Um, I mean, what? I mean, it's a family film where it starts off with Santa being killed. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, the other film goes back. Uh, like you said, we usually like chronological, but we're going backwards this time. The other one is from 1980. It is a little-known movie, and I have to say two two titles, Ethan, because it does have two names. Mm-hmm. It is most famously or infamously called Christmas Evil from 1980, but the director prefers you to call it. You better watch out. What are we going to refer to it as in shorthand? I think Christmas Evil is a better title. Um, there is a movie from a few years ago, called, I believe, called Better Watch Out. Was it called? Do you, have you seen this movie? It was like a reverse Home Alone. Uh, there's there's so many there's so many of these things that blend. I may have seen it, but it's really good actually. Maybe we'll talk about it sometime I, some one of these Christmases. But it reminds me of uh, you know Charles Schultz, a cartoonist who infamously did not like the name Peanuts for his comic. Yeah, okay, yeah. He'd prefer to call it, you know, good old Charlie Brown or uh, Little Folk, but there was reasons. I yeah. like you. I, I prefer Peanuts, so I think we yeah. will we will call it Christmas Evil. Although, I think once we talk about the film, I think once you actually explore it, it's it, I guess the name doesn't really fit a little bit, but maybe it does. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's different. Definitely some marketing issues, I think, with them. Oh, n- not even yeah, not even I think I know, but we'll get into that too. Yeah. So. Like I said, we're going to go backwards. We're going to start with the, the quote-unquote newer film. Um, by the way, the beginning of a franchise that continues to this day. Uh, yeah. Crazy. Crazy times. Have you seen the TV shows? No. The TV um, show? I will say this. You and I chatted about this before. You are clearly a bigger Santa Claus fan than I am. But mm-hmm. I will say this. I, I've seen this movie a couple times. I know exactly why it's popular. Um, I know exactly why it continues to be popular. 
I know it why it it is a dominant force on the streaming networks and it is a classic. I I understand all those things and I agree to all those things. I just read the film very differently than some people. If that makes Got sense. It. Got so, it. But, I'm curious. Well, I'll say this. Um, <clears throat> sometimes it's fun when you when you look at movies that are intended for family, and they end up being very subversive, and they end up being mm-hmm. very very layered, as you, <laughs> as you might say. But you picked. So tell us a little bit about the Santa Claus from 1994. Main premise is that uh, Tim Allen plays Scott Calvin, and he's a divorced man who gets his son on Christmas Eve one one year and um, his son is kind of wavering in his belief in Santa Claus and that night they hear someone up on the roof, they go outside they shout at it, it's a guy dressed in a Santa suit who turns out to be Santa Claus, he falls off the roof dies slash disappears um, and then Tim Allen by putting on his suit turns into Santa Claus and uh, magic ensues magic ensues by the way, 1990s movie, so you got all the staples. You got a yeah. single dad um, castigated for working really hard to support things. Yeah, uh, can't can't have that. Got to have a dad who spends all his time with his family. You know. Yeah. You know. Of course, you wouldn't have that nice house if that was true. Um, <laughs> Mom doesn't seem to be doing anything. She seemed to be married to Judge Reinhold. Another <laughs> yeah. another 80s or 90s staple. Well, may- maybe that's the forced marriage. I guess. Maybe that's the forced marriage, um, Judge Reinhold. Yeah. I- I really like that. So, uh, the first of all, the third act of this movie is so 90s. But the first mm. act, I think it, I, it's one of my favorite first acts in movies, period. Um, I just think the way that they introduce the world, the way that they kind of explore the dynamics between the characters. Um, I think this movie is memorable for its set pieces and for its story, yes. its high concept. But I think it really shines on its characters and the way that it treats and handles um, certain archetypes that we'll get into as well um uh just mainly though i like that it so charlie's parents aren't getting back together and it's very clear early it's on. very I, very clear i kind of like that so it's not it never becomes about trying to get his parents back together or you as an audience you're not like oh is he gonna get back together uh, with his ex-wife it's never about that yet the antagonist is um this new stepdad who's played by judge reinhold his name's neil um but it, the movie really firmly sets the line between reality and fantasy. Um, the reality is his parents aren't getting back together, but he can still have the fantasy of every kid, which is going to the North Pole. You know, his, and maybe not every kid wants their dad to be Santa Claus, but that is the his reality in this movie. And the, the movie is about a dad winning his son. It's not about Charlie, who's the young boy. It's not about his plight. And remember, this is the 90s where every family movie was about the kid and kid empowerment. Um, But this is about the dad winning his son back. um, And it's never about Charlie's dilemma per se, Um, although we do see it through his perspective a couple times. You know, it's funny. um, I told you a kind of spoiler for a 30 year old movie, but the movie starts off basically with Santa being killed. And what's funny is that you could take this film and almost at every single beat, beat for beat for beat. If you just tweaked it just a little bit, it would be a horror film. <laughs> it, it, and I, I, there's a there's a there's a real uh, I like them. There's a magical quality to that too that I think the director really nails. Um, John pa- Pasquin. He's not really known for a lot of other things, uh, but I think he really nails this like air of mystery uh, throughout the movie, especially in that first act where you're like, what is happening? And the music really helps too. I think the score is one of my favorites. 
you know, you mentioned the you mentioned the the cinematography. And this movie is quite beautiful in a way that I don't think the sequels achieved, and I don't think exactly, a lot yeah. of because I think you unfortunately you have like the beginnings of CG, and yep. you have some very very bad CG, and it's only <laughs> made more noticeable by the fact that there's so much there's so many practical effects. Mm-hmm. In the film, and the practical effects aren't great either, but the movie does look good. I, I'll say this: um, this is something that both this and Christmas Evil have in common. Is that they're very pretty to look at, and yeah, you don't really expect that from an early '90s Disney film. Yeah, there's almost this warm glow that just happens throughout the entire movie, like Rockwellian at times a little bit, especially when he's going into the different houses delivering presents. Um, yeah, and the camera, the DP's name is Walt Lloyd, and he's not really, surprisingly not really well known for a lot of things because I think his work here is really, really good. Um, the the movement of the camera is really well done, and you know, almost, especially like in the North Pole sequence, um, every mid shot, even if it's not obvious, like the camera's just kind of moving and or pushing or doing these different things, just exploring um, without drawing attention to the exploratory nature of the camera. And I think that's was really brilliant, honestly. By the way, you uh, mentioned the director, Joe Paskin or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. He basically, his career is basically working with Tim Allen. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's pretty Joe much Joe Somebody, I think, was his other um, kind of one, Jungle to Jungle. Jungle to Jungle, Home Improvement, um, you know. Yeah, was, oh yeah, he did Home Improvement and, stuff. And, and that new sitcom that was really popular, Last Man Standing. So, yeah, yeah. So his career is adjacent to Tim Allen, <laughs> and pretty, the editor uh, Larry Larry Bach uh, was the editor on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Actually, was he? Yeah. You know, we talked about this in the other episode about what I call high concept, low budget. Um, this is a movie that I think you're starting to see high concept become high budget, and I think yeah. you have to be very careful on it because, for example, like the scenes when Santa gets squished into the into the chimneys and everything. Again, it, again, 1994, right? But mm-hmm. you start to see that CG is going to replace ingenuity in a way. Like, how do we make the effects work? How do we do this? We can't have practical. Yeah. So let's just do CG. Let's do camera work. And I love CG. I do too. I, I love it. But you know you know me pretty well now. I, I also love practical effects. And I want to see yeah. how do we make this work practically. And, you know, there's there's some pretty shoddy CG. I don't think it ruins the movie in any way, shape, or form. I, I think mm-hmm. it date I think it dates it a little bit, but not as not as much as as it, as it could have. <laughs> yeah, it's not, um, it's not Spawn. So yeah, like the uh, yeah, like the reindeer, obviously. With, well, the reindeer is animatronics, I think. Yeah, so I think that so. Worked, I, think. I do think they become CG though, or they become more CG. Yeah, and well, when they're flying, especially. Um, yeah, but you like you say, yeah, it dates it, but it doesn't. Spoil anything? I don't think. I, people say dating like it's a bad thing. I don't think yeah. so. Um, oh yeah, when you watch an '80s horror movie, you want it to have that kind of datedness. Exactly. Like I, like to me, there's nothing. There's nothing more repulsive than a movie trying to date itself. Oh uh, yeah. Like like for example, like how many times have you seen movies today that take place in the '80s? But you could tell the person doesn't know what the '80s was. It's sort of like yeah. a space alien <laughs> trying to figure out like Christmas carols. Yeah. It's like, oh look, it, here's what the '80s was: uh, scrunchies, big cell phones, uh, the same twenty songs. Like the 1980s for music has become like the Vietnam films of the '80s, where it's just Clearwater, Clearance Revival. It's just the same like five songs on a loop over and over, so you know you're in the yeah. '70s or the '60s. That's what the 80s has become. It's the same thing over and over again. It's just, no, thank you. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's was, not what the 80s was. 
yeah, sound like those kind of jukebox soundtracks were cute with like the big chill or you know um uh what's another one that had like a like american graffiti i guess mm-hmm. little deeper cuts i guess but yeah but nowadays man you can't get by on that stuff the 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 music supervision is way too uh sophisticated i think now people want stuff we're in the post dawson's creek era i think people want things that they've never heard before it's going to be hard to transition to 90s nostalgia because yeah by 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 virtue of colors the 90s were more dour and they were less colorful and they're more grungy. And it's no one really wants to return to grunge, I think. People yeah. they want effervescent, which I think um which is why you had fifties nostalgia so prevalent and I think you had eighties nostalgia. But you're not gonna really get a lot of people nostalgic for like new metal and yeah. you know, Pearl Post Jam. Grunge. Yeah. Well also the nineties though had the most subgenres of any decade. That's true. Which 90- is to it to its benefit, I think. I actually think f- from a film perspective, the 90s were very close to the 70s as far as producing a lot of really good Ooh, film. Yeah. Um, you know, the 80s for all the 80s produced a lot of fun stuff. Can we say that? A yeah. lot of fun. A lot of a lot of cocaine went into those movies. Yeah, uh, it's my. I mean, that's my favorite decade for people. Always hate on the 50s movies and the 80s movies, but those are my two favorite decades for film personally. And I think it's because there was not as much. Not nothing to do with the artistry. I think it was just yeah, people were having more fun. I think when they're making it in more ways than one. Well, you know, you when you look at we'll talk about Christmas Evil here. Like Christmas Evil is a very, very good example of a '70s film. Before, yep, uh, it gets labeled a slasher film. It is not a slasher film, but it gets sort of uh, pulled into that orbit because of Halloween, because of all that other stuff. Like, oh, someone's killing someone. Slasher? No, it's not. But, but the Santa Claus is not a slasher movie either. Although it's kind of like no. I said, it's 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 terrifying though. In, in some ways, because um, Santa dies. Now, again, you could read that, if, if I were being a cynic. You could say Santa is tired of living with this curse, and he wants to end it all. And so he kills himself, so he doesn't have to become... He doesn't have to, like, eat cookies and be fat anymore. Well, and again, this is what the director does, so I think he, he puts these little small details, almost Easter eggs in the movie, like that hint that this was planned. Like, the elves are kind of watching over the town before santa even dies like you see the little elves in the background um just all around the town and then kind of like uh his you know quote-unquote guardian angels watching to make sure everything's going according to plan so it's shakespearean Um, they they murdered santa they pushed him. yeah i mean or he was like or he he was and and that's the one thing in the in the tv show i we watched the this two seasons that were out and um Mm -hmm. They didn't really they covered on the past Santas a little bit, but they don't really talk about the one directly before uh, Scott Calvin and why he he died, or you know if it was planned or any lore about that, which I think they could have a lot well, more. Maybe let's in the next season. Let's just say this because I don't want to like spoil the magic for this, but let's just say this. Let's yeah. let's get this out of the way. They trick him into becoming Santa. Totally. They, they trick him. Um, he's 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 minding his own business, right? He's minding his own business. He's dealing with his child. Uh, yeah. Santa falls off the roof, dies. He tries to help. He does not see the fine print. And if you think about this, this movie is cynical AF. Like, this movie is mm-hmm. cynical. It is not Christmas happiness. Like, all the Santa mythologies are played as torture devices. Like, the suit... <laughs> like, like I say I say body horror. Like, if Brian... Yeah. I thought, like, <clears throat> if Brian Yunza had directed this, you know, for Reanimator and all that stuff, all the body yeah, horror... Like he's literally getting fat 
Like he's yeah. getting his body is deforming. He's getting facial hair he can't get uh-huh. off. Like he's disgusting, and he can't help it. Like it's a curse. you can't escape it. It, it. Yeah, it's it's kind of almost too like. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of uh, I think Christian uh, analogies in this movie, at least uh, themic thematically. But um, I think that too is like, you know, he has to humble himself in order to take on this very selfless role for society. He does, but but it's being compelled on him through like a mind yeah, virus. Like he's a, be, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> he starts craving sweet. Yeah. He starts craving junk food, like like it changes his diet, yeah. like. He be like Santa's a virus. It's a, yeah. it's a virus. It's almost like a like a like a pagan ritual. Like you put on the suit, <laughs> therefore you become infected. Yeah. Um, and the fine print is so like that would be get tossed out of court so fast. By the way, if this were like an, a realistic movie, They'd be like, you can't put something microscopically on a contract. Like what is this? What are you, Willy Wonka? No, but yeah, uh, was... and then you have Bernard the Elf, who is basically like. Let's just be honest here. Let's oh. just say this by the the great. I, I love the child actor, by the way, David Grumholtz. Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, he's so good. He was fifteen or sixteen when this movie was made, by the way. By the way, he was uh, I remember, incredible. I liked him when he was in Adam's Family, Family Values, as oh yeah, member of the summer camp. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I'll say this a little offensive, but he is the most coded Jewish elf I have ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it's awesome. He's the head elf, and he's he's, he's, he's Jewish. He's clearly Jewish, and he's frazzled. <laughs> yeah. He is he is that Jew yeah. who's working. Who has to manage every Christmas party, despite the fact he is Jewish, and so he's he has to organize because yeah. he's the one who can come in Christmas Day. Like he's yeah. he's the one who shows up and does the work. He, he probably fell victim to a trickery contract trickery as well. Exactly, he's it's a curse. They're all there. Yeah. They're all there. Uh, they're all there. You know, indentured servitude because this is their this is their version of oh, hell. Yeah. And, and and by the way, the supporting cast. I don't know what you thought about them. I thought I think they're fantastic. Um, oh, the everyone kids. talks about David Crumholtz. Well, I was gonna say everyone talks about David Crumholtz, and rightfully so. I think he really kind of um, brings a, a much needed energy to some some of the silliness. But um, I love Judge. I think Judge Reinhold is oh, Judge, fantastic. Judge Reinhold. Um, yeah, of course. Come on. I mean, he's perfect. He's perfect. Um, I think also, I mean, I'll talk about, get back to J- Judge Reinhold because I think he was, he's a standout here. His character, I think, is really important. Well, but I think the unsung hero is Wendy Crewson, who plays the mom. And she kind of really becomes the emotional, like, barometer of the movie. And she has some really good chops, I think, uh, especially well, later in the movie. I got to say something, go back to Judge Reinhold for a second, because yeah. if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s, you, you know who Judge Reinhold was. He was a staple. Sure. Um, he's, he's like, um, Who's the other guy that was also a staple? Uh, who was the other one from Three Men and a Baby? Uh, goodness gracious. Ted Danson. Gutenberg. Steve, Gu- Steve Gutenberg. Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg, yeah. And a lot of these guys, you know, let's be honest. They were, again, they were they were coded as, like, neurotic, like, yeah. waspy, like, both, like, yeah. like postmodern Jewish entertainers. Like a, like a Seinfeld. Can I say that? Like a, yeah. like, like a Jerry Seinfeld. Like a modern man who's navigating the world through neuroticism. And I was so happy when I saw the trailer for the new um, Beverly Hills Cop 4. Oh, yeah, actually. And he's a lot fatter, but Judge Reinhold is back. He's in the movie as his his returning character. So, I mean, he's not exactly busy. Well, they didn't include him or Wendy Crewson in the the Santa Claus, either of the seasons. And they, they brought back a lot of the old cast, um, some really cool... I think I know what uh, Even Charlie... I think but, I know why yeah. they did that because that would age the original film because you can get away with Tim Allen being older because his, he's a, with a beard and the kids, of course, are older. But if you don't want the parents because they would 
you know, they would look older. Well, they put Bernard in it, and he looked really old, and he's supposed to be an elf, so I don't know. Yeah, but he's – what's he doing, right? He's, yeah, exactly. But no, I just – but like I said, though, it's, it is it is something – it's like an ageist thing, I think, a little bit. Maybe, yeah. But it's – but you know what? Maybe they'll come back. I mean, the show is very popular. By the way, the show is very popular. It's one of the yeah. top-rated things on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So we'll see. And First season was better, but second season wasn't bad. It had some cool cool details to it. Um, Eric Stone Street was really good in it, actually. By the way, not to be confused with the other Santa Claus series. I think it's on Netflix, the one with Kurt Russell. Oh, the Chronicles? Christmas <laughs> the, Chronicles? The Santa Chronicles. The Santa Chronicles? Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen those, actually. I saw the first one. I think, did Christopher Columbus direct it? I, I forget. But um, Maybe, actually, yeah. Like, the concept of Kurt Russell as Santa is pretty cool, and it's it's yeah. pretty, it's as, it's as funny as you think it is. Like it, it is a good idea. And uh, what's his face? Uh, who who plays? Who's his wife in real life? His partner, um, uh, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. She plays Mrs. Claus, so that's kind of fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, but it's the movie itself is it's trying to be the Santa Claus. It's trying to be that hmm. like sarcastic, quippy Santa that used to be a human, that kind of thing, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. As, it's it doesn't work as well. So because I think. I think this movie, like I said, I think this movie's coded as a horror film played off as satire. But yeah. but it also has it has a pathology that I don't think is oh people talk about. Like it's not it's not whimsical. It's terrifying. Yeah. Like it's yeah. got a it, it like it, it will bite it has it's like a kitten. It's cute, it's cuddly, but it will bite you. Yeah, where the the second and third movies are a little too happy go lucky, I think. Um, yeah, this one kind of, and like I said, this one draws the line between reality and fantasy. Whereas, like you have, like a, as silly as the third act is in some ways, like it, you also have the stuff with the cops and like they're you know they're arresting him, they're putting him under the light, and like there's some kind of horror uh, conventions in there as well. Um, and going back to um, I, I do want to talk about mm-hmm. Tim Allen's oh, yes. uh, change over the course of the movie. I think like I like that he he does start off as a cynic and even, you know, he's like um, he the first one of the first houses he goes to. He's kind of like yelling at the girl and then he comes back later and he's very sweet with her. And like um, just it just shows that bookend of how he's changed over the course of the movie, albeit, you know, forcibly. Um, but you know, at, even at the beginning, there are some nuggets that suggest that maybe he does wish he were a dreamer still, like Charlie. And when Charlie seems like he's becoming jaded, like Neil, um, Scott Calvin gets bothered by that, and yeah, it kind of requires a mental breakdown in order for him to transform and and cal- well, recalibrate. You know, they they were saying that this movie was intended for Bill Murray, and huh. like it was it was coded for Bill Murray, and I think you can kind of see how. Like maybe a harder edge actor and a harder edge performance may have made that transition less. I mean, more jarring because, again, mm-hmm. Tim Allen is mad when Neil yeah. says Santa's not real. Like he's upset. Yeah. Like he does have that that magical quality at the very beginning. So he doesn't really have that far to go. He works at a toy factory. He's yeah. not. He's not mean. He's not cruel. He's again. He's not Bill Murray and Scrooged. You know exactly like, like he, he like he got this job originally maybe because he was a little bit more wide-eyed and and then he became hardened over with the divorce and and all this stuff that's happened to him and there's a lot written in the subtext that does not get clearly stated which mm-hmm. is a good thing um and i don't think movies do that i think movies do that too much now where they um they tell you everything obviously we've talked about that but mm-hmm. um yeah exactly like yeah 
But again, that, my only issue with that, and again, going back, is that the transition from, you know, Scott Calvin to Santa Claus is is not as big a journey as maybe the movie thinks it is. And mm-hmm. I think, and I think again, I'm not saying the movie would have been better with Bill Murray. It would have been a very different Bill Murray. But just imagine, like, like we could we could have a whole podcast, like we could have twelve episodes just talking about like awesome Santas in films. Yeah. Um, my favorite, like my favorite Santa Claus performance in any film, like for personal reasons, is um, Billy Bob Thornton in Bad Santa. Bad Santa, yeah. I love one. Bad Santa. I don't like That's Bad Santa one. too very much, but but his character, his unredeemable, his unredeemable yeah. filthy character, is. Can you imagine if Tim Allen had played the role like that? Yeah. Or like, or like it just would. I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked. Um, and I think the, the, those are also two very complementary movies in some ways too. But um, yeah, I mean, like as much as this movie does the Santa Claus, it doesn't do too much with its characters, and I like that. Um, you know, Neil, for instance, doesn't have some sappy revelation at the end. He still stays true to his character. Like he's still, you know, even after he's seeing all this stuff, he's like, "Oh my goodness, it's Santa Claus!" But then he's still like what am I doing? What am I doing? Like he kind of snaps back out of it, even in that climax, um, which I really like too. You know, it's funny though. How, how many movies about Santa Claus again, post, I want to say post eighties, but I think it goes back to miracle on 34th street where they, mm-hmm. they are blatant that this is not a religious holiday, that yeah. this is a commercialized holiday. Like, like think about it. Miracle on 34th street. They're literally in a courtroom. <laughs> Macy's. You know what I mean? About, yeah. about whether or not he's mentally unwell. Right. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. And so, like, the idea—I don't know if you'd call it cynicism at this point. It's almost like a trial by fire, like literally, like like a gauntlet. Yeah. Like, like he's his child is like a child psychiatrist has to come in. He gets his parental rights revoked because he thinks mm-hmm. he's being dangerous. But let me ask you a question. So this world posits that Santa's real, and yeah. but but I want to be clear. This is not—it's magic, but it's also like literally a factory like there's a factory they have technological innovations they have gadgets they have infrared lights they have jetpacks like this is this is high-tech stuff so if no one believes in santa so how do the parents explain how the gifts get there that's that's see that's the that's the fallacy in every christmas mm-hmm. movie that has the same thing yeah every single time it's like okay well how do you explain this like how are they, they just are confused why the random gifts are showing up yeah that's always yeah. kind of the plot hole in every one of these types of movies but you just mm-hmm. kind of accept it as part of the genre i guess i think so and i think there are some movies where santa's real okay we're, we're cool with it you know we, we're okay with it and exactly yeah like like um Elf, I guess, kind of does that. Nah, maybe not. I think I'm trying to think of a movie that does that really well. I'll be honest with you. I think Elf is a better version of this movie. And yeah, and I'm, I'm again, I, I'm not the biggest I don't fan agree, of Elf. But I like Elf. No, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Elf either. But I think what Elf does, I think Elf straddles that idea of whimsy with surrealism. Like you have, um, oh, uh, James Con as, but James Con's the head yeah. in that movie. He's the dad who's the cynic. Yeah. And he plays it. He plays it like James Con plays it. You know, he's yeah. James Con, and Will Ferrell is whimsical and everything. He's completely whimsical, never loses his edge. And but I understand why people like that movie. I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of Elf either. But I do think I understand why people like Elf quite a bit. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I I like Elf. Um. I think it lives and dies by Will Ferrell and James Con though. I think whereas exactly. the Santa Claus, I think has some. I think the cast is knockout and i also think the filmmaking is brilliant um 
in a lot of ways. Well, uh, and layered, like you got the score, the editing, the cinematography, the direction, the production, the set design. Well, the concept. I think every the concept. Yeah, and the, con- and this is the concept. Yeah, and the writing's really good. The tons of really good quotes. Whereas I think in Elf, if you don't have Will Ferrell in that movie, I, it's people are not talking. About no, exactly, it, I don't think, exactly, exactly. Day, yeah. And again, I, I think the exact same thing about Bill Murray and Scrooge. Like, if you don't have Bill Murray in yeah. the film, you don't have a film. Exactly, yeah. And so they're not really a Christmassy movie. They're not really a Santa movie. It's a character movie. and you can It's watch. a vehicle. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you can, like, that's why people think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> you know, not necessarily because of the themes, yeah. but because of the concept. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the thing. You can have multitudes. But, um... But Elf never became a franchise, thankfully. Like, that's that's the yeah. blessing of that. Well, Will Ferrell blew up, and I think – I don't know. It could have been done, I think. But, yeah, it, it didn't need to. It didn't need to. And a lot of things don't need to, but they get that way anyway. Yeah, um, exactly. Like you said, the, the sequel to this and the third movie are diminishing returns, like precipitously so. Um, yeah, like not even close. Um, how's, how's, the seri- how's the series, though? I haven't watched it. Oh, so the first, the first season is the best – um, piece of Santa Claus franchise material aside from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the first movie is the best, and then the first season of the show, and then I'd probably say Santa Claus two, and then the second season of the show, and then Santa Claus three is pretty bad. Um, but even, even with Martin Short, no, but um, yeah, it's not good. It's it's so silly. It's like wacky. It's yeah. It's that's what it, that's the thing. It's like you go from RoboCop one to RoboCop three. Yeah, and, it's it's the exact same comparison, I think. Yeah, yeah. you lose the you lose it, but um, yeah, I want to say something about Tim Allen real quick because, like I said, mm-hmm. this this movie works all, primarily because you believe Tim Allen, I think. Yeah, and I think you like Tim Allen. Now, Tim Allen's so interesting because this is right after, like, this is right when Home Improvement was getting started, and yeah. by the time the second movie rolls around, Home Improvement had ended, and so. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Tim Allen real quick. So Tim Allen's very successful. This is right before Toy Story came out, the original Toy Story, before he became Tim Allen. You know, yeah. Um, Tim Allen's one of those guys. Uh, I used to watch his stand up back when he was a lot naughtier than he is now, and he was a lot, he was a lot of fun. He's not he's not blue collar comedy tour. He's not um, uh, Jeff Foxworthy by any Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, exactly. He he avoided that crap. But what's funny is that. Tim Allen's very specific politics because he's political. He's not overtly political in his real life, but he is political. Mm-hmm. And in Hollywood, and forgive me for saying this, you can skip this if you don't want to hear this, but in Hollywood, there does seem to be a litmus test like that we require from actors now where if you don't think and act and vote the way we want, then we're not going to promote you like we used to. And mm-hmm. you see this, and Tim Allen's one of those people. And you know yep. you you saw this happen with his show in the last ten years, uh, Last Man yep. Standing, a show that was very successful, it was very popular, but networks tried to kill it for no other reason other than politics. But it kept it kept getting ratings, and so they kept it alive. And but the fact is is that Tim Allen survived all this. He's he's in a very small group. I I don't want to say conservative, but of conservative leaning older white men that don't kowtow to that that are still beloved. Um, I would say Clint Eastwood is one of those. Kelsey Grammer, um, yeah, very small. Like you, the, you John Voight. John Voight, yes, John Voight. You can get away with this stuff because people like you. 
you know, they still like you. Yeah. And and on the flip side, you have someone like Adam Sandler, who I think shares a lot of those politics, but Mm -hmm. never talks about it. Like, no, he's entertaining. Or Vince Vaughn's the same way. Like Vince Vaughn, I don't think really Mm -hmm. talks at all about his politics, but you know, he's, you know, I think he's libertarian or something. Yeah, Uh, exactly. And, you know, and and the funny thing is, though, so you get you get two dynamics. You get, well, you're not going to be popular with the critics. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be fond over, but. The audiences still like you, and yeah. that's what's really important. And I, and to his credit, I don't think you can um, look at Tim Allen and see him injecting like any type of political message in the Santa Claus. So no, he and he doesn't. I think what's great about it is that it's apolitical. Like it, it's not about that. It's about totally just uh, telling a uh, you know trying to tell a, a good story for families. I think the, yeah. the, I'm talking about the new series, and because you know that's. In the 90s, people weren't doing – injecting any politics in their kids' movies, but – Well, um, not really. <laughs> it would be funny if they did though. It, yeah, they, I know. They, that, can you, I can't even imagine. Like what would the top – like the topics would be insane um, compared to now. <laughs> well, there is one funny scene in the second movie. Um, the, it's kind of – I think it's overt because I do think this franchise has bite. I do think if you were looking for it, there is sarcasm. There's like – it's it's yeah. not mean-spirited, but it's it definitely – it's prefer, – it's – um. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not transgressive, but it's something. So there's a scene when you know the evil, the robotic, the robotic Santa takes over and he starts dressing <laughs> yeah. like a dictator. Yeah. And there's a scene when he's literally enslaving the the elves that are coded as children. And if you watch this scene, it's like two minutes long. Every single elf is black and brown. Oh and, really? Yeah. And I was I'm like, I see, I see what they're doing here. I absolutely see. It's indentured child labor. And mm-hmm. that's I mean that's literally what's happening. He's literally a dictator enslaving elves so that's funny so, uh, i mean that's that, i i gotta see the second one again it's been a while since i've seen the second yeah, movie. you're not missing much <laughs> it's yeah, like no, I, I i yeah i remember liking part the robot aspect of it i thought i think it was funny but um yeah it let's it has I, it has ideas like i said these all three of these movies like even the third movie which is not very good like it has yeah. ideas it just doesn't know what to do with them that's the problem yeah yeah um I did want to talk about Judge Reinhold's character yes. real quick again. And his sweater. Um, you have to say Judge Reinhold and his sweater. And his and his Cosby sweaters. Yes. Yeah. So I think the the movie the movie like I was mentioning earlier, the characters I think are really what separates this movie from a lot of other family entertainment from the nineties especially. Um it does a really good job handling the antagonists and showing things from their perspective but not judging them for it necessarily after all like the transformation is just as important for them as like how they're affected by scott's transformation is just as important to them as it well, is to charlie and to into tim allen's character can I ask you a question though is there an yeah anta- does this movie have an antagonist well I, w- I was gonna say the antagonist is judge reinhold i think i think he kind of represents cynicism of society and kind of uh, but he's not a bad sk- guy though he's just skeptical no he is and that's what i was going to say too like he is unlikable but he is not he, he, like it gets tricky when you get into okay he's trying to control charlie in a way that and he's trying to be he's trying to supplant scott as the father figure and i think he's trying to remove scott from charlie's life and is using this as an opportunity to do so. Whereas I think he was trying to do that already, but just had no leverage. Whereas now that he's, you know, uh, quote unquote delusional, he's like, okay, great. I can use this and try to win Charlie myself and be his father 
you know, we don't know what happened. Again, there's subtext. Maybe he can't have his own kids. Like, who, who knows? Well, don't they have a child um, in the second movie? Where's the little girl come from? Oh, yeah, maybe they do. That's right, they do. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I, but I do, I love movies that have unique protagonist, antagonist situations, and this is definitely one of them. And I think Neil is the antagonist, and I think he's, and he's not overly smarmy or, you know, mustache twirling. We all, like, we all know this guy. We can imagine what it would be like to have the, him as our adversary, as somebody who we can't stand yet we have to live with. Like, and I love that he's that that is the antagonist in this movie is somebody like him, somebody who just is always contrarian and saying, but but this, but this, but are you sure? But this, and it's annoying as all can be, but but it's relatable, and I like that he is the antagonist in this movie. Well, he's also, personally. but he's also not wrong, like. Like that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, and, like, and that's the thing too, right? Yeah. Well, like when he has a conversation with Charlie, and he's like, "Charlie, like, oh, like that's not real." He's like, "Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen such and such?" And the kid's like, "No. Yeah. Have you ever seen a million dollars? How do you know?" But I can prove that a million dollars exists. You can't prove that magic exists, like Santa magic. Yeah. But it's but for the needs of the film, though, he has to be like I said, he has to be the foil for yeah. for magic. Yeah. Like he has and to. And you be can. That. And you can see how, in if you can, if you put the situation in real life, you can see how everyone would be like him, and he would be the, and everyone would be like, wait, but that's not possible. Well, that can't happen until until I see it. It doesn't exist, and and that's where, and that's where the movie compared to something like we talked about Santa Claus of the movie from 1985. We talked about <laughs> that a couple years ago. Yes. Whereas like we talked about how that movie totally divorces itself from the religious implications of Christmas or the religious ties. Of Christmas, whereas this, I think, has um, the Christianity kind of as it's it undergirds the movie. I think where it, you know, I, I, as a Christian myself, I connect to the faith-based themes about how the relent the relentless faith of someone else can help change your faith and have an impact on it without you know having to be preachy about it. Whereas you know he just lived by actions. He lived as Santa Claus, and you know it was. He wore it on his sleeve, but he didn't. He never straight. Um, Scott Calvin never straight up said, "You got to believe me, I'm Santa Claus." It was the boy who said it. Well, um, so I like that aspect of it too. Well, how about this? What if Judge Reinhold was would have had Judge Reinhold put on the suit and became Santa Claus? Mm, ooh, that see now that would have been a cool like uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like well, an alternate. <laughs> I know I have a I have a I have a version of that film that actually Fan exists. Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey, remember? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And and he he got the power of God, and mm -hmm. in the second movie, it was his antagonist Steve Carell that got the yeah, power. Yeah, Evan God. Almighty. That's yeah, uh, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so you could see how things became very, very different depending on, and it, it makes you it makes you wonder because Neil is the one that doesn't believe. Neil is the one that is you know modern and cynical and realistic and and pervasive. Mm -hmm. And what if he became Santa Claus? Like, imagine the transition that he'd have to go through. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so like it's it's interesting to watch, like or to, to imagine that. So yeah, exactly. Like yeah, is um, whereas yeah, Tim Allen in this case would be maybe the cradle Christian, whereas Judge Reinhold is the is the uh, atheist or the um, or something like that, right? Whereas like he, if imagine if he did it versus someone who kind of had that nugget of faith already there from the beginning, and then this kind of like brought it back but whereas judge reinhold was just you know at three years old he stopped believing in Santa exactly Claus. exactly <laughs> yeah he, he was a progressive you know like um like the child right the his son like if you think about it the kid is exactly coded exactly 100 percent the same as 
Andy was coded in Child's Play with the killer doll Chucky. Oh, oh well, yeah. Like the the kid knows, the kid accepts, the kid the kid talks, the kid understands that Chucky's a real killer doll, but mm-hmm. the adult world doesn't know until it's too late. <laughs> and same with Santa, like the kid fully believes he's been to the North Pole. They think he's crazy, and just like Andy, they put him in a nut house. You know, they, yeah. they, they he gets to see a psychiatrist until it's too late. Like Santa's real. Like that's a good comparison too. And well, and and even the director kind of brings in a little bit of that, um, uh, you know, he almost has you questioning if Scott is delusional with, you know, the the pajamas when he wakes up the next morning. But then he also he bumps his head on the ladder. So it's like, wait, did he mm-hmm. imagine that? And then you have the two Judy's, the waitress and then the elf Judy. Um, and you're like, wait, so is he just connecting things? And I mean, it very clearly it quickly clears things up but um it does there's a movie from hitchcock i always go back to called the lady vanished and mm-hmm. he does that in the movie where he you start off being like wait is she making stuff up and then you kind of start seeing that she's actually telling the truth but yeah i like that it was kind of a little more ambiguous at the beginning it's it's interesting it gives the movie some depth that i don't think it otherwise could have had yeah. and um because let's, let's put it this way i know you're a you know, you're a big fan of '90s children's movies too, and so am I. Up to ten, but some of them yeah. become nauseating, like yeah. Cloy oh, yeah. and Twee and Dunstan checks in, like anything with a monkey or a dog <laughs> that plays basketball. In Dunstan, Dunstan checks in. I know, though. I know. He's just he survived that gauntlet. Like you know what? That, I saw Macaulay Culkin the other day received like a Walk of Fame on Hollywood and everything, and oh yeah, like he's married and happy. Like he, that kid survived child stardom. Like he survived. Yeah. He didn't. Um, he didn't thrive. He survived it. And the big. I mean, the biggest child star of all time, right? You know what's funny? Now he does YouTube videos on uh, like Red Letter Media. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and he seems happier than ever. So there yeah. you go. But um, there you go. Yep, we, he could still go back to. You know, he resisted the Home Alone thing. Like they they tried to make a new Home yeah. Alone. He resisted it. So yeah. and they killed that franchise. So that's funny. The Santa Claus, like and like Chucky, by the way. Like Chucky, Chucky is the only slasher franchise from the 80s that still exists today and is popular. It is it. Like, even the Halloween yeah. stuff died away. The Santa Claus... Well, now is, and it's in the hands of its original yeah, writer. It's thri- yeah, it's thriving. Did you, you know what's funny? Small World, John Waters is going to be on the show. Like, Oh, really? Okay. We're, we're going to mention John Waters here in a, in a few minutes, but... Um, the Santa Claus is the only children's franchise from the 90s that still exists and is popular today. So mm. there's a lot of similarities between Child's Play That's and... Uh, very true. Yeah, and, and both are Christmas films. So yeah. if you think about it, they're kind of... <laughs> That's true. It is a good... <laughs> Child's Play is a Christmas movie. It's all about it's more gifts. Christmas movie than Die Hard. I, I hate to say it, but I... I, yeah. <laughs> I will say this, though. Um uh, Child's Play Two, I think, is the best of the bunch. So, if we're okay. if we're if we're being clear, it's the most ambitious. I've only seen the first one. Really, they they get funny. Um, they they do the Freddy Krueger thing. They start off terrifying and they become hilarious. And okay. so, and then of course there was a bad remake, and before they righted the ship, like they they were trying yeah. to reboot Child's Play as a AI doll with Mark Hamill. It did not. Oh, no. It did not work. Um, yeah. So now the original is great, though. I, I think the concept is great, and I think the movies got better. I think they got funnier. Yeah. Maybe not better, okay. but they got they be, just became out and out comedies. And Chucky's nice. a great Chuck, Chucky's a great character. I mean, he's he's a yeah. lot of fun. So, so I think I think we both like uh, the Santa Claus. I think we both agree that is the best of the best of the bunch. Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. If you haven't been able to really, tell. really, one of your favorite? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 
Like I said, my, my view is I think it's perfectly fine. Um, I don't love it as much as you do, but I do like it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's got a lot to give. Tim Allen's great. The, but again, I want to be clear. This movie could be read as a horror film. Um, yeah. Santa Claus could be uh, could be read as a... This movie could have easily been called The Santa Curse, and nothing would have changed it. Like <laughs> Because that's what it is. They, yeah. they entrap him. They entrap him. They body sh- they body horror him. They transform his body and his mind into into living in this. And if you think that's great, if you love Christmas presents and North Poles and stuff, then you are in heaven. But if you don't, you are in hell. Like this, this could be seen as hell. Like the afterlife. Yeah, and Peter Peter Boyle's there. Peter Boyle, by the way, uh, returns as a different character in the second film. Did you know that? Wait, in the oh yeah, he's like the a uh, father time. Father time, like yeah, yeah. He's Father Time. That's right. He's the boss in the first one. Yeah. Yeah, Good old Peter Boyle. Yep. It's always nice seeing him. Like, yeah. Like, he's more than just like the Frankenstein monster from Young Frankenstein. He's great. Yeah, he's great. He can do, he can do a lot of stuff. Have you seen Joe? (laughs) I saw Joe. By the way, he could do a lot of stuff. He's no longer with us. Yeah, he could do, he could do a lot of stuff. You know what's really funny though? Uh, This movie, you know, like I said, directed by this guy, John Pasquin, you know, he would go off to do another similar theme movie. He would, uh, uh, did he do, let me make sure I got the right guy here. Do, 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 do. Give me one second. I want to make sure I got the right guy. Yeah. Did he do, or was that the, was that the guy who did the sequel? Uh, no, I think it was, it might've been the sequel. Okay, I think he yeah. did, uh, Which the, movie? the Tooth Fairy. Oh, the, the Dwayne Johnson one? Yeah. Like, I'm surprised they didn't tie them in because the Tooth Fairy, isn't the Tooth Fairy in the second yeah, movie? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, he's for sure in, yeah, I think he is one of the, the people in the second movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could have had like a shared universe. But no. <laughs> but no. There's another good movie too called um uh Rise of the Guardians. Have you seen this movie? Oh yeah, Rise of the Guardians. Yeah. Yeah, it's animated. That's a really good one. It has it kind of does that whole lore with the different leaders of the holidays and stuff. Um that's a good movie actually if anyone out there hasn't seen it. Yeah, the- recommend that. You know, so I think I, it was like 2011, maybe 12. You know what's funny? I actually had a conversation about that movie on this podcast uh, years ago uh, with a uh, goodness gracious. I don't know if it was recorded or not, but do you remember that animated film short Hair Love by Matt Cherry? Yeah. And we actually talked with him on this uh, a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think um, this is before he became successful. I, I want to say we had something to do with it. But, you know, when he was trying to get funding for it. And um, mm-hmm. he was really cool. And we ta- and I think and we mentioned Rise of the Guardians. Because the Rise of the Guardians, a lot of people don't know this, was directed by an African-American director. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, first time ever, like a big budget CG like spectacle. And, wow. But it was they didn't make a big deal about it, right? Oh, he co-directed Into the Spider-Verse, too. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Wow. I did not realize that that was... Well, you can exactly. see the, the similarities if you... I mm-hmm. mean, it was a few years apart, but... That's Peter Ramsey, could, by the way. Yeah, there's a, there's a definite um, kineticism to Rise of the Guardians, a lot of... It's kind of almost like video gamey a little bit. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like, I mean, I don't... That is cool. I, I don't like being one of the people to say, oh, the first this, first this, but when you're talking about inclusion, the fact yeah. is you just like the movie because it's good. You don't need to understand, yeah. like... And that's, that's exactly. how it should be. That's as it should be. Yeah. But no, I was like, yeah, I was I was a big fan of that. But I understand why to someone like Matt Cherry, that would mean a lot to him because you know there's there's not a lot of people, you know, from his community that do that kind of thing. Sure. And, and so like yeah. that's celebrate the talent people. It comes from all colors and all flavors. Yeah. So, but uh, I will say this. So I think uh, I think 
it's time to move on to our second film. Okay, and for the next film, this is a little different because, like we've mentioned before, it's got two names. So it's most famously known as Christmas Evil, but the director, uh, the, the director uh, Lewis Jackson, would rather you call it, would rather you call it, you better watch out. But I think, unfortunately, we're going to go with the original title because it's easier to say. So yeah. Christmas Evil, it, 1980. Yeah, definitely, and it's more unique, I think, too. It's not like a part of a sentence. So. This is again. This is a film that I had never seen before, which is crazy. Like I, I love discovering something that apparently has a whole life that I was not aware of. Like mm-hmm. it's like discovering like a new tribe of Papua New Guinea like natives, <laughs> like you've never seen yeah. like a person before. That you don't know if they're gonna be friendly or they're gonna eat you. So I think exactly. on this film, this film wants to eat you, and that's what makes it intriguing to me. So how would you synopsize Christmas Evil? So well. Christmas Evil is it's a hard one to really wrap your head around I think but essentially it's a movie about a guy who is mentally ill to say the least and he actually thinks that he's Santa Claus um, it even goes so far as to he tries to go through a chimney at one point can we can we say uh, it actually shares this in common with Santa Claus is that he actually yeah does transform exactly into santa exactly exactly and he and he's in it's almost it's a very good counterpoint i think to these two movies and and i was watching this movie like a couple days before we talked and i and i was like oh wow this would be a great one to pair with the santa claus and that's you hit me up and were like do you think of the the movies and i was like let's do these two movies Mm because when i was watching this movie for the first time i was like wow this thing is really similar obviously different tones entirely uh, maybe not entirely, but it's it's definitely got some similarities uh, in it as far as, you know, he's he believes he's Santa Claus, yet he's kind of a little more secretive about it at first, at least. Um, well, he can keep a secret. Yeah. And his and his delusion comes from trauma that happened when he was a child where when his uh when his his dad dressed up as santa and did the whole delivery thing (laughs) and uh, after he and his brother went to bed he uh, he went downstairs for i forget why but um he spotted his mom and his dad dressed as santa having sex basically and it kind of just um he caught he caught mommy kissing santa claus differently So well, when it's interesting too, because there is no real like um, like uh, people compare this movie to Taxi Driver and, and uh, I, yeah, Maniac. I, I, did, I did too a little bit like in both. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think of Maniac like the original Maniac, not the remake. Yeah, the 1981 uh, or yeah, not the Elijah, not the Elijah Spinell one. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 well, and and the thing with those two movies is those two movies have kind of like the Madonna horror complex and the Freudian stuff and the, you know, twisted sexual perversions at, at their core. Whereas this one is, he uh, almost, re- he repels it essentially. Like he is very against, he's all about preserving this innocence of childhood where I think um, those other two movies are, those those Freudian things are buried and they come out in, in um, evil ways. Whereas this one is is the opposite, the character's opposite, and I, th- I think the comparisons are um, astute in both regards. But this is definitely a, a different movie. Well, thematically, I agree with you on everything. I was going to say um, I was listening to the director on his. By the way, 
if you get a very nice version of this film, which you can now, thankfully. Yeah. Um, what was the name of the company? Vinegar. What? Um, Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome does did a fantastic job restoring it. It looks gorgeous. It looks fantastic. Yeah. It's the only way you should really watch this film. Um, listen to the the director has multiple commentaries and the director. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, we can't even talk right Lewis now. Lewis Jackson. Lewis Jackson doesn't have a lot of films. He's only got an, one other film to his credit. Writer, writer, director too, which is writer, writer, director. Yeah. Um, the other movie he, the other, the other movie he's credited with has a fantastic logline. I have to read it. Um, <laughs> okay. It's basically softcore porn, and he, ba- it's okay. called the transformation: a sandwich of nightmares. Oh, and man. and the quote is a sexual film odyssey of a young girl exploring her innermost fantasies in a sea of navels, thighs, and buttocks. A sea and, of navels, thighs, and buttocks. Exactly. Like, you don't even need to watch the film. It's right there. But yeah. this movie starts off, and you can see, like, I hate to say it, like, um, this it's sexploitation a little bit, but it doesn't go that far. And I think when you think about it, um, the very first scene when he notices Santa, you know, giving mommy her present, he mm-hmm. it, it's not a really sexual scene. It's sexualized. No. It's not sexual. Um for those who don't know, and this is something that I think should be considered, uh, if you watch the news, there's tons and tons of talk about groomers and teachers and all this stuff. And yeah. what gets lost in the conversation is that sometimes I think we look at these situations through the, only through the eyes of an adult and say, well, adult can process this. Adult understands what's going on. But real sexual abuse isn't necessarily physical. Sexual abuse mm-hmm. is about betrayal. And that's the, mm-hmm. that's a problem. And when you see a young boy who clearly is still young and innocent, and he sees Santa Claus, not his father, but Santa Claus doing that to his mother, he feels betrayed. And I think yeah. that's the trauma that's implied that he carries over, and he internalizes it to becoming a, let's just be, well, Santa a little bit. He becomes the Santa of the fantasy that he feels like he lost. Like, his Santa would never feel up mommy. You know, he would never, yeah, never, never, you know... You know he's all he's all nice, not naughty, but um, I think the problem I have with Christmas Evil is the same problem I have with the Santa Claus. But I don't dislike it because it's just sometimes I think the themes are there, like the story structure is there, the ideas are there. It's just not quite um, out front like it should be. Like you, there's a little too. You have to mm. do a little. Too, you have to do a little. You have to. You have to be smarter than the film in some ways, and you have to read into it. If that makes any sense, like. Yeah. Like, like again, um, I said, watch the vinegar, the vinegar syndrome version, and there's a great commentary track with John Waters, and we talked about John Waters and John Waters, who will be appearing as like the creator of Chucky on the Chucky Show. Um, and you like John Waters, right? I think most people we admire John Waters. I've never seen any of his movies, honestly. Not even Hairspray, the original. No, I've never seen the original Hairspray. I've seen the remake. I've never seen Pink Flamingos. That's like his other big well, one, right? Yeah, Pink Flamingos. Anything with Divine, but. Yeah, I've never seen any of his movies, honestly. So John Waters is that weird person who looks like Vincent Price, looks creepy, um, does a lot of sexually depraved, like, crazy, especially his early stuff, like, really early stuff. It is messed up, but yet is lovable. Like, it's, it's, what a weird combination of things to be, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, and what's funny is that he, he analyzes this film, like, he, he makes a comment, he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, for, Christmas is like a is like for uh is like Halloween for a drag queen. He's like he's like it's your day, go have fun. You know, it's like if you're a crazed Santa wannabe killer, then Christmas is the one time you can let your freak flag fly. And I think um 
you think that this uh, who's the main character? What's his name? Is it um, Harry? Harry. Uh, by the way, played by a great, great actor named Brandon McGart, right? And I got to admit, I spent half this movie thinking it, it was Clue Gallagher. <laughs> like, I really thought it was Clue Gallagher. Oh, man. You know, I love, uh, yeah, I love Clue. some similarities there, but I, yeah. Yeah, I was funny. like, is that Clue Gallagher? I had to look it up because I don't like wow. I don't like doing Wikipedia while I'm watching a film. Yeah. Uh, unless I've seen it. And uh, sadly, no, it's not Clue Gallagher. By the way, Clue Gallagher played one of the great characters in Return of the Living Dead. Um, yeah, and, and he just passed away like last year, didn't he? He just passed away. And he pops up in all kinds of really cool stuff if you if you research his stuff. Yeah. I love Clue Gallagher. But no, Brandon McGart, he's pretty cool too. Um, he's pretty good. Uh, here's a fun fact. His daughter is famous, more famous than he is. His daughter is um, the singer Fiona Apple. Mm. Yeah, the most depressed singer since yeah. – uh, since uh, uh, who's that? Who's that one singer that everybody loves? All the Sarah, Mag- Sarah McLaughlin. No, she's the sad dog singer. Uh, oh, 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 Liz Fair. No, not Liz Fair. Uh, oh, you mean kids nowadays? Yeah, she did that song video. Oh, games. Billie Eilish. Uh, let me see. Give me some. Is it Billie Eilish? Video game. No, when I when I tell you who this is, Lana Del Rey. Oh yeah. Oh yuck. Yeah. Yeah. Her Lana- stuff's like boring. Yeah, it's boring, but it's it's really edgy to people. Yeah. It's it's sort of like. Um, how goth with edgy like like trust me when you're 13 yeah. years old uh your edge is going to come with a blade it, trust me edgy will come when you get to be an adult but i guess yeah you know it's i mean when you're 13 you need you need pg-13 edge so yeah there you go but anyway um but yeah so that's that, that was my reading of it that he that he witnessed um a sexual betrayal and he internalized it and that's how internalized he'd be he literally it's like, almost like a santa virus that was implanted yeah well, and is, uh, this movie does have some dark comedy elements, but the director or the writer director Lewis Jackson really kind of meets the premise head on, and mm-hmm. I think approaches, I think he approaches the material with a sort of gravitas, and he's almost yes. he's pensive, he's pensive about Harry, about Harry's uh, psyche, and I think you can um, you could watch this a couple times and get something different every time, um, just a different analysis on the character. Uh, and and in that way, it is kind of like a taxi driver. Whereas Maniac is not that deep. Maniac is pretty much just like it's exploitation. Yeah, it's exploitation for sure. Oh. But Taxi Driver is pretty deep. Um, and and I think those similar similarities are real. However, like in something like Taxi Driver, the line between the audience and the insane is blurred, and you're just, mm-hmm. you're kind of intended to be conflicted by how much you relate to uh travis biddle whereas in christmas evil i think the objectivity is managed differently whereas the main character is less relatable and thus we're given more evidence for his flaws um whereas like taxi driver is more about empathy here's more about sympathy type of thing um and i think lewis jackson does a superb job separating the subjectivity of harry from the objectivity of the audience without compromising the two of them whereas we see why the children the naughty children are bad we see why they're naughty. We see the households they come from. Whereas we can, whereas Harry doesn't see that. Yet we still understand why Harry is too crazy to bring any of that analysis or observation mm-hmm. to the to the kid's situation. I whereas, would, like, 
we're not meant to think, oh, why isn't Harry seeing that? Why isn't Harry understanding where the child's coming from? No, we understand that he's crazy and he can't see it. But as an audience, we see it. And I think that's well, really cool that the I, director does that. I think one one of the great things about this film, and I want to be clear, I think this is a very good movie. Like, I actually yeah, think... Yeah, it's really good. Like, and I think... the uh, This is where I said before I was conflicted on the title. I, I understand. This is not a slasher movie at all. No. This is not a slasher movie. It's not even really a horror movie. It's it's a horror movie the same way Taxi Driver's horror and maybe Psycho. Yeah. Like, it's not trying to have fun with with the gore. No, it's by, not. I don't think. And at the all. gore and the gore is not even there really. It's yeah, it's, exactly. got a, it's got a few scenes of gore. Um, but I was going to say, everyone says Taxi Driver, but if you were to look at the movie Psycho, you know, um, yeah, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, if Norman Bates were outside the hotel, then he would Good be then yeah. he would he would be Harry Styling, because think about this. There's a scene in um, Christmas Evil where he's looking in the mirror. Mirrors are a big part of this. Every and again, mm-hmm. the director mentions this too. He compare I forget, he compares it to a Truffaut film, I think, where, where he sees the mirrors, and every time you see him in the mirror, that's the real person. Like, that's the real psycho waiting to come out. And there's mm-hmm. a scene when he's looking in the mirror, and he's putting on the, he's putting on the beard. He's trying it on. Because you, you see this, again, it's not really overt. He's creating his Santa suit throughout the film. He's creating yeah. it. He's making it. And there's a scene when he's putting on the beard, and he's putting on the, the wig, and he's looking at himself. And Ethan, that's... That scene was copied in Joker, like like. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good. Oh man, when, I didn't even think about when that. he's he's looking in the mirror, and he's making faces, he's becoming the yeah. Joker through the mirror, and I guarantee you, and we all know that Joker is basically a version of Taxi Driver. They've said it. Yeah, it's basically two Martin Scorsese movies. It's the joke. It's excuse me. It's Taxi Driver and the Comedian, right? And wow, yeah. rolled into one, and and I think a lot of people uh, have seen this film, and they've seen that sort of dichotomy, the mirrors. Who I mean, it's not. Christmas Evil is not the first movie to make a mirror, but it's overt. The transformation that he's coming from Harry to Santa is done through mirror reflections, and it happens over time. The movie takes its time, and it's been criticized for this because it's not slashery. It's not – there's not – like it's like 50 minutes before the first person's killed. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like almost an hour. Yeah. Yeah, but it's actually – that's its benefit. That's what makes it a better film. Um, that and the fact that it looks gorgeous – can I just say this? Yeah. This movie is so. This might be the best looking slasher slasher movie, the best looking of its type since Martin Scorsese. Like, if you told me Scorsese did this, I I believe you. Well, and and not only that, it has some of the best Christmas set design that you'll ever see. Yeah, it's real. It looks real because these are yeah. real. These are real streets. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they, he talked about the cinematographer. Uh, his name is Ricardo uh, Aronovich. He says he's French, but I think he may be Belgian. Uh, did you ever see this movie that came out, I think, in 1993 called Nobody's Fool? No. With um, Paul Newman? Oh, no. No, I, I, I think I can picture the cover. 1994. I'm sorry. Yeah, the cover the cover is iconic, right? Um, yeah. If you watch that movie and you look at the way they do snow and slush in streets, you can feel the snow. You live in California, so you wouldn't know anything about yeah. this. Like, no. To you, it's like gold. Like You've never seen snow before. But snow is this... <laughs> white powdery stuff that falls from the sky and when you collect uh, okay, it, it and when you collect it it becomes very annoying and so but you get the the mix of sl- of of salt and slush and granite and dirt and it becomes yeah. this grimy stuff and what's interesting if you watch uh christmas evil they it uses fake snow but you could see their breath and you could see the designs outside you could fe- this movie feels cold it feels mm-hmm. cold and it's 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 palatable. It's not a fake soundstage film, and that's real. Like you feel like the characters are actually outside; they're actually walking around. 
it's natural lighting in a lot of places. It looks real and it gives it a very disturbing um, aesthetic that's missing from a lot. And I actually um, was drawing comparisons when I watched it to – I don't know if you've ever seen – I think it was 1931 film M – Hmm. Um, the ger- German movie. No, with it was like it was like Peter Lorre's basically his breakout um, for American audiences. Um, it, it's basically he, Peter Lorre plays uh, a child killer, and uh, and essentially the movie turns into trying to track this guy down and find him and kill him hmm. uh, or whatever. Because you know the gangster, the organized crime is is suffering because now the cops are oh, all over the place, Fritz so Lang. they're trying to find him. Fritz oh, Lang, yeah, yeah. Uh, was it 1931? 1931, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it kind of changed the way uh, it affected cinema in a lot of different ways. But um, uh, there's a there's the scene when in Christmas Evil where the townspeople are kind of running through the town chasing him with oh, yeah. I think they have like, torches. Oh, I want to talk. I want to talk about in that. In 1980, yeah. they have torches in like this European style streetscape. Um, it's super reminiscent of M in the si- similar things happening in the, you know, people are, are at the end of the movie of M uh, you know, the, he he's finally confronted with this mob of people. And it's so reminiscent of that in Christmas evil. Um, I thought it was, and I, it, I'm guessing it was a conscious decision, but it was, I thought it was pretty cool. It was a really cool modern well, quote unquote modern take on that. Again, the director, you know, Lewis, he talks about, like, there's certain scenes that are there to unnerve you to distort reality from, uh, you know, uh, disreality. But the last scene, like, let's be honest here. I'm not going to spoil the last scene for the audience if you haven't seen it. But it's clearly (laughs) in his mind, right? Like, what Uh happens, like, the the final scene. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That reminded me of being there at the end of being there. Oh, I love being. I love it. Oh yeah, where, that, where he's you know what I'm talking about? Where oh yeah, he walks on water. Yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of that, which came out a year before this. So I don't know if maybe that was an inspiration, but well, I said it was 70s, right? In the 70s, they played a lot with convention. And, yeah. You know, again, Scorsese would often like um, introduce like certain framing elements in his in his films with his editor. I forget her name. Sure. Yeah. What's her name? She yeah. edits all his movies. Um. Yeah. I know. I can't remember her name either. Yeah. It's like like it's intentional <laughs> misdirection, so you question everything. Yeah, exactly. You're like, wait a second, did I miss something here? Yeah, well, exactly. Like it's really the, good. I love it. Like at the end of the movie, like it's like you said at the end of the movie when he's confronted, and he's running through the the city streets, and the mob literally has torches. Like, where did they come from? And they're lighting in the torches. 1980, they have torches. Yeah, Doesn't in the even make of, any sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, and they're chasing him and everything. It's like, where the hell did those torches come from? Like, yeah. like a good old mob. But it's it, it makes you question what's going on. It makes you question the yeah. the reality of things. And I think oh, so good. And I think with a movie, when you have you know, like let again, it's like Taxi Driver. Like Travis Bickle is not the good guy. He's the bad guy. Like um, yeah. Oh goodness gracious! I just said his name. Uh, sorry, I keep saying Harry St- Salling, aka Santa. He's not the good guy. He's the bad guy. Yeah, he's bad. The vil- villain protagonist. He's villain yeah. protagonist, and he's not very sympathetic either. Like his like. One thing I love, though, and I don't know if you if you love this, we don't see him transform to Santa. Like we're mm-hmm. in the middle of the transformation. Like you go, his home is all plastered with this. He's got a naughty book, and yeah. I was I I didn't clip any I didn't clip any quotes from the Santa Claus naturally, but I got a quote from this movie that I think is the best line in the film, and I want to play it for you real quick. So yeah. let me go ahead, and it's only thirty seconds. So let me let you you'll you'll remember this. So here's the clip: three, two, one, and go. But now, I want you to remember to stay good boys and girls. Respect your mothers and fathers and do what they tell you. Obey your teachers and learn a whole lot. Now, if you do this, 
I'll make sure you get good presents from me every year. <laughs> but if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book. And I'll bring you something horrible. See, that's that's my favorite scene in the entire yeah, film. Yeah, that's a good one. And yeah. and he doesn't and that's the thing too. So he he uh he punishes the naughty adults, but he doesn't really punish the children. He just kind of like brings like we don't really see, exactly. I don't, like you know what I mean. So he he is fixated on this per- preservation of innocence um, versus you know he he does still handle the children and the adults differently. I think the the movie is very brave because again like Santa Claus, if you adjusted to certain parameters. Like when you see him looking, he's basically spying on the children, like looking yeah. in the rooms. He sees the one kid with the porno book. He sees the other do this and that. Um, you hope and pray every moment it doesn't become something untoward. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, please and it don't doesn't go there. Too. No, it doesn't. And that's exactly, yeah. And that's yeah. why he's – he is legitimately – he legitimately thinks he's Santa Claus. It's and, not – and that's what is makes this movie so interesting. Another thing that makes this movie interesting has nothing to do with the movie, but everything to do with the perception of it. And I, I don't, I'm not 100% versed on everything, but I think we do need to say that, um, and I, I admit this too, um, is that when you were suggesting a, a horror film, I thought you were going to pick Silent Night, Deadly Night. And, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm totally glad you didn't. Inferior, inferior movie, by the way. And there's a whole genre of these killer Santa slasher movies. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, – I don't know if Bob Clark did the first one. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he did Black Christmas. He did Black Christmas, which has been remade a hundred times. So, so, so um, yeah, that's a, something I want to talk about too. Like, So this movie came out – first of all, it's, it's obvious that the studio wanted to market this as a slasher. This is 1980. Mm-hmm. 1980, like there was probably a slasher coming out every weekend in 1980. Look at the list of slash of just horror movies that came out in 1980, and it's insane. Um, and you had, you know, this a movie like this. You had, um, uh, what was it, New Year's Evil? Even <laughs> you had, uh, and then the next '81, you had crazy, uh, uh, like uh, My Bloody Valentine. You just had like these mm-hmm. holiday specific, and it's all after Halloween, right? Which, but Halloween takes after Black Christmas, which came out a couple years before. Mm-hmm. But in 1980, the slash when the slasher was really starting to take off is when this movie came out. And so, I, yeah, I just think it's obvious the studio wanted this to be just that because for so long between about 1960 and 1980 we couldn't really classify horror in in subgenres until the slasher kind of became more prevalent in the late 70s and 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 so we almost craved the art of categorization as as a society i think which i think stifles a lot of genre evolution in film across history whereas this a movie like this was doing its own thing yet needed to be categorized by a studio well, the, the problem is, is that it's it was actually benefited in some way, hurt by something that came after it, like Silent Night, Deadly Night. A lot yeah. of people don't know this, but there was a lot of controversy about this film, and I don't know why they they settled on this one. Like you said, there was a whole bunch of these Christmas killer movies before, but for some reason, society. This was the biggest focused, one, though. Like, um, like even Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, they rallied against it. They said yeah. it was perverse and disgusting, and it's like, and what happened is. This, of course, that only made it more successful, but <laughs> but that's when Christmas Evil sort of came back to life, you know. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I can't like go into the whole thing about it, but um, the Wiki, you know, Wikipedia mentions it, but they only mention a little bit. 
in you know in England and everything they had the video nasties right and the video yeah. nasties were all these movies that were determined too naughty and it's it's what a great name though video nasty it yeah. just it makes you want to see it makes it more. you want to watch it yeah, like video nasty yeah. that sounds great but yeah. but the problem is is that I think um, for better or for worse Christmas Evil was harangued and to be part of this and it is nothing like those movies it is literally it has Santa it has death and that's it it is not a slasher movie it is not really exploitive um, it's got some scenes that feel like the soundtrack itself like which is sounds like the the creepy sounds like the I don't know if it's a theremin but whatever noise mm-hmm. they make the noise is creepier than the visuals like you hear them yeah. not like the psycho sound but it's like you're hearing the sounds of his madness take over yeah. his brain like the noise like it, it almost feels like the badness needs uh, to be a uh, to be assuaged to, to silence the noise because it's it's very creepy yeah I, th- I think this is technically christmas evil i think is technically an independent film whereas silent night deadly night i think was distributed by like a pretty major um studio i want to say who was it um it was tristar tristar so yeah i think that had to do with it i think honestly it just had to do with the fact that it was the release that it got whereas um yeah christmas evil i think got went under the radar a lot because uh you know also i think by 1984 people were like okay we can't make a better horror uh, slasher movie you know night uh Nightmare on Elm Street just came out that year, which was mm-hmm. pushing the, the envelope. And so we're coming out with this thing. Like, this is not 1981 anymore. You know, I mean, horror movies changed a lot in the 80s. What was funny uh, is um, if you go back and look at it, like Silent Night, Deadly Night was actually like outgrossing Friday the 13th. I mean, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was it was going to be a big film. And, like, this was this was it was prime for this. It was mainstream slasher films. Um, yeah. Let's be honest here. Look, I love I love old slasher movies, but they can be a little repetitive. Um, especially the low budget yeah. ones that are crap, but the good ones are good though. I the good, say. No, the good ones are good, and the good ones are worth it. But what's funny is I was ch- I was chatting with you before we recorded, is that um, Silent Night Deadly Night became a franchise, mm-hmm. and but it became like a crazy crappy franchise of no quality, and um, <laughs> I had actually introduced you to the sequel, like this, like the main yeah. the main thing. Now, I have not seen the sequel. So let's say this, uh, audience, uh, Ethan who counts the Santa Claus as one of his favorite films of all time, has never seen Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, but specifically, he has never seen the scene from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. The only memorable scene in the film, because the movie's a mess, the movie is garbage, um, it basically reuses footage, but it's got a scene called Garbage Day, and you've, now you've, you've part, you're part of the cult now, you've seen it, where this, yeah. this man... Um, this ki- the killer, the Santa killer, is wearing a what, what kind of sweater? Did you say a cashmere? Uh, it was like it's like a cable knit. Yep, and he's cable knit sweater. He's clearly like, in some sort of delusional stupor, and he walks around the neighborhood like the Terminator. <laughs> he just starts blowing people away and, and chuckling to himself, like maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh. Yeah, he he gives about thirty uh-huh. maniacal laughs in two and a half minutes, and he gives the greatest performance of all time by saying "Garbage Day," and he blows <laughs> the guy away. And it's it's funny though it's 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 unintentionally yeah. like troll two level fun, but the yeah. movie itself is garbage literally. <laughs> and, um, but Christmas Evil's not garbage. It's actually well made, and it's actually yeah. it, it looks good. It's well directed. Um, the I think the criticisms are actually pluses. I think it the movie does take its time. I think it needs to. Yeah. Um, it's disturbing. I actually watched it a few times. I had to watch it like three times to really get get into it. But um, yeah. And I love how movies now, like 
when they came out, I, I know nowadays it's not as big of an issue, but hmm. back then it was, it was a thing, you know, oh, you can't categorize this movie. It's uncategorizable or whatever. Like people did not like movies that you couldn't put into a box. Whereas now I think we embrace these kinds of movies like the Christmas evils or um, what's another one. That's like a really good example of this. Just like movies that you're like, that's not a horror movie. It's not a, a drama. Like, what is it? Like, I think we really like those movies now looking back and i think that's a a cool thing well i think so i mean because it means you're paying attention like yeah and it means you don't care about genre you're you're watching something because you want it to be good like you're not watching it because you need it to be a horror movie but i think also the desire to be placed in categories uh can dilute the artistic creativity yeah exactly like like i said is die hard a christmas movie like i'll be honest with you it's not an answer there's no answer to that question it's the question because people, because people, like you said, want to subvert the idea of classification. Yeah. So they say, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I mean, yeah. by all appearances, probably not. But then again, no. it does have Christmas in it. But it has snow. so does The Godfather. Exactly. Is The Godfather yeah, a Christmas but, movie? Yeah, no, it, but that's the thing. Like, I think people have fallen in love with the idea of Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Then they actually think it's a Christmas movie. I, I mean, honestly... Christmas movies is a very specific genre, I think. And like we're talking about not having something to be a genre. But it's not specific in convention. It's specific in, I think, uh, feeling. Like a feeling you get when you watch it. Like I don't know anyone who legitimately watches Die Hard and, and w- when it's not Christmas time and be like, oh, man, I can't wait till Christmas mm-hmm. time. No, like you're not – You if you watch the Santa Claus in in july you might say man this makes me want it to be christmas or you watch i mean i don't know if you think about about christmas evil but maybe some of the set design is pretty cool like but die hard i don't think so much no i think i think what it is like i said it's all about transgressionism i think it's ideas that we don't want yeah. convention um classification itself is something so we categorize things it's like yeah. you know it's like it's a scientific thing it's a librarian thing it's this and i get it and for the most part generally speaking it works like if you if yeah. I say horror, right, you're not going to you're not going to put on blue, you know, bluey the cartoon, right? You know, it's going to be something different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you exactly. Might, you're going to crave a certain tone for sure. But like I, comedy is another one. But I do think, though, uh, because of cap, I hate to say capitalism, but because of categorization in capitalism, it's like, how can we market off something? How do we exploit this? And if you have yeah. if you have family film, then you're going to have family film, and pretty soon you're going to have family films that all look the same because they're all they're all being exactly. des- they're designed yeah. they're designed for genre instead of instead of a movie being put into a genre, it's designed yeah. for genre. Well, and they're told by they're told by executive producers or a studio, hey, you need to make it more horror like, and then you're like, wait, well, but that doesn't make sense to my story. Well, you do it anyway. Well, t- tell you this: Go into a bookstore and say where you keep your C.S. Lewis books. Yeah, that's a hard question because there's like five different places. It's religion, yeah. it's fantasy, it's science fiction. You know, it's it defies that. And as frustrating as that can be for expedience, it's much more rich and much more satisfying when you get to discover something outside of the box. And I yeah. think, and I think that's where the Die Hard thing comes from. I think it's because it breaks convention, and it's so absurd that this R-rated action movie could be considered a Santa movie, or yeah. um, you know, could be considered a Christmas movie. And one of my favorite things, I do like this too, Ethan. I like it how people can be very clever 
how they can convince you it is a Christmas movie. They will go to great <laughs> pains to describe like the thematics and like yeah. you know and all that stuff. But it's it's fun. It's it is a lot of fun to watch. Like because that means you're thinking and you're you're giving the movie you're you're playing with the movie. You're you're making the movie come alive again. Like like that garbage day scene I showed you from Silent Night Deadly Night Two. Like the movie's garbage, but we watch the scenes and we have fun with it. You know, you can't do that totally. with a. You, I mean, when's the last time someone had fun with the English Patient? You know. Oh my gosh. Or yeah. Coda. You know. Uh, yeah. No, but nobody's watching those things more than once. You know what I mean? <laughs> nobody's Coda, watching. Coda's pretty good, but not. I don't know about the English Patient. That's yeah, I mean, one best picture though. But the movies are good, right? But they're not. Yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the problem. It's like. It's like you, your vegetables are yeah. – the vegetables are good for you, but they're not fun. You know, it's, yeah, it's like let's – yeah, throwing on Nomadland at a slumber party is kind of yeah. not going to happen. We're going to have a watch party for Nomadland. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. – well, like I said, um, not to not to break the convention because we're on Christmas, but like I was watching – you know, you look at the movies that are in theaters right now and there's a whole bunch of diversity there. And like yeah. in 2023, if you would have told me this a year ago, I'd call you crazy, but like, like that we have a genuinely good Godzilla movie – you know, Godzilla minus one being one of the best films of the year is makes me very happy, because according to genre, that's supposed to be schlocky. It's supposed to be crappy, yeah. but yet here we are. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, maybe in ten years we'll have a, a Transformers movie be nominated for best picture. Like, oh my goodness, could only happen. Uh, only if Shia LaBeouf comes back. Well, um, you, you know what's funny though? Twenty years ago, right now, what's the date today? Twenty years ago this week, twenty years yeah. ago, Return of the King came out in theaters. Lord of the Rings. Genre well, film, good, yeah. genre film, fantasy film, elves, orcs, CG battles, magic, one best Broke picture. All the records, one one yeah. best picture, right? Like, yeah. a movie is not good or bad defined by a genre. A movie, a genre is a classification tool. It is not a it, li- it, exactly. But if you overdo it, if you if you're that if you're that authoritarian about it, it becomes a crutch. It becomes it becomes a hindrance. So don't don't waste yeah. your time with that. Don't 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 give it much stock. And it someone else calls it something. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, that's not. I don't know what I was gonna say, but no, good points. What what are your? Uh, do you have a top three favorite Christmas movies? Um, kind of. Um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty easy on that one. I don't. I'm Christmas. I'm not a huge Christmas fan, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was gonna say Christmas is better in the movies, but Halloween is better in real life. I think. Yeah, of course. Well, Halloween's more fun. Halloween, you get to dress yeah. up. Like, like John Waters said, let your freak flag, let your freak flag fly. But yeah, no, I think um, I think the greatest Christmas movie of all time, besides, uh, like, if you look at the greatest Christmas movies of all time that people consider the greatest, they all have something in common. You have mm-hmm. like I, I mentioned, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I don't think it's the greatest Christmas movie. I think it's fine. Yeah. I think it's perfectly fine. But um. You have It's a Wonderful Life. Of course. Like a movie that starts off with a suicide attempt. Yeah. And, and it only gets weirder from there. Like that movie yeah. is sick. Like people yeah. people say, oh, it's so sweet. It's so fun. No, it's it's great because <laughs> oh, it's, it's dark. dark. It's super dark. Yeah. It's really dark. It's really dark. And I, I could see why it became beloved. Another one, Christmas Story well, with Ralphie and the BB gun. Yeah, like, I'm not a big Christmas Story guy. But it's but you understand like it's patho- it yeah. has pathology in it in a way that like it's it's mean yeah. sp- it's not mean spirited but it's mean it's got bite because that's what it is like it's we all understand what it's like to go through the wanting <laughs> and the waving and, and being bullied it's yeah it's larger than Christmas itself it's just Christmas is the climax of that it's supposed to be yeah. the if you're good if you do all this you'll get a reward but instead no you're gonna shoot your eye out so your parents yeah. were right your parents were right. Um, 
and something like Bad Santa, which again, which I think it, it, Bad Santa to me exemplifies um, what Christmas really is. It's commercialization. It's it's not a Christian holiday anymore in our culture. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it can be a Christian holiday. It can yeah, be, but, but it's not not really. It's yeah. it's it starts in October. It it you know they sell things they they sell it to you. Uh, you know Santa Claus is basically created for Coca Cola. You know you have you have songs that are copyright. You're not allowed to play. You know it's they rush you in, they get you out, and it's about as magical as a bowel movement. You know it's not yeah. it's not fun, but yeah. I think it can be. I think it can be, but I don't know. Um, I like I, like I said I like. It's not my. I, I, I'm going to be a hypocrite. It's not my favorite genre, but there are so many good Christmas movies. There are some good ones, yeah. Some, what about you? Besides the Santa Claus. Santa Claus is my all-time favorite. It's one of my top five ever. Um, aside from that, I really love Home Alone. Mm-hmm. I really love um, Arthur you, Christmas. Do you like the second one, Home Alone too? Uh, yeah, I like it. I haven't. I haven't seen that one as much. I've seen the first one a ton. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the second one as much. I've seen it. I've watched it a lot when I was a kid, though. Um, Arthur Christmas is one that I, the more I watch it, I see it a lot because my kids like it. But it is a really good movie. It's an Ardman. Mm-hmm. Ardman does it. Um, I think it's their only true animation, like non. Uh, wait, wait, hold stop. on a second. Arthur Christmas is is Ardman. Mm-hmm. It's their only non-stop motion. Movie, no, they they did they did flushed away too. Oh, that what was? Oh, that was a. I thought that was. I don't know. Why I thought that was a stop motion. Yeah, it was. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the director of uh, Flushed Away. Uh, I forget Pell something. I think he 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 does the new Chicken Run. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're right. Arthur yeah, Christmas you're is right. Really good. Oh, I liked Arthur Christmas quite a bit. Um, it's really good. It's just like the way it approaches the the uh, I don't know, the, it, it 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 draws the dichotomy between tech technology and analog really well. Um, and you know, just ch- changing and evolving. Um, and then probably uh, I don't know, maybe. Die Hard? Bad Santa. No. <laughs> Die Hard. No, probably Bad Santa. Probably Bad Santa. Yeah. Those are probably my, my Mount Rushmore, as the kids say. Well, I think I, if you think about it, Bad Santa, though, with Billy Bob Thornton, he actually goes through a much bigger journey than, like, Tim Allen or even or even our evil yeah. Santa guy. Like, he is a reprehensible with broken Thurman man. Merman. He's broken. Yeah. He is a broken man. He, like, literally, the movie opens with him pissing himself. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And, and honestly, if... if in a in a better world, he would have been nominated for something for that movie. He was really good. You know, the second one's okay. Like, I didn't watch the second one. It's got a it's got Octavia Spencer in it as a prostitute. Okay. And this is after she won the Academy Award. Yeah. But, um, but you know what's funny? Um, the guy who directed it was Terry Ziglish. Are you familiar with his work? No, I don't think so. May- oh wait, what else did he do? He did the names. He did uh, Crumb. The documentary he did Ghost World, Art School Confidential. Oh, that's right, Ghost World. Yeah, that's right. That's what I was thinking of from him. But I was thinking of like if I can just if I can give you my recommendation for an, a, a new great Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not exactly Christmas, but it is. So Crumb will let you read about, um, you know, you know Robert Crumb, one of the underground cartoonists, one of the greats. Yeah. And that will lead you to Harvey Pekar, aka American Splendor. Yeah, you know, the movie version with uh, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, yeah, right. And Paul Giamatti, of course, is—I'll be honest with you—this is his year because he, you know, we, um, oh goodness gracious, we we just saw the holdovers, right? Have you seen the oh, holdovers? Yeah. I haven't seen. I haven't watched it yet. No, I think I sent you a screener of yeah, it. Yeah, um, I have it. Yeah, please watch it. Um, that is a Christmas movie. Like <laughs> that is a 
Really? Ex- yeah, uh-huh. that, is, that is a Christmas movie in all the ways that matter. Like, it may not be overtly okay. Christmas. Like, it may be... But what it is, it's shot like a 70s film. It has that granular look, I hate to say, like Christmas Evil has. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. Uh, Paul Giamatti is spectacular. Like, I'll, I'll say it right here. He's going to win the Oscar for this movie. Like, this really? Is, yeah, nice. This is it. This is his thing. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's he's, cool. And when you see it, you'll understand. He's... Is it as good as Sideways? Um... I don't know, maybe not as as good a movie, but it's it's irrelevant to compare the two. But that's a new. Wait, it's not the same film. director, is it? Yeah, Alexander Payne. Oh, it's Alexander Payne. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! Yes, I did not even realize that. Oh, but, that's know, cool. But I, I'm up to the point where I I see like I see Paul Giamatti and I get happy because I know it's going to be a good performance. Like, yeah, he's that type of guy now for me. But yeah. this movie is Christmas in all the ways that we described. It's patholo- pathological. It's sometimes mean spirited. It's a reflection that human beings are failed creatures, that we all have our problems. You know, we all have our secrets. And I think um, the best Christmas movies say, you are a flawed human being, but I accept you. Like, I'm not yeah. judging you. Like, I'm not saying, like, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. It's like, this is who you are, because I'm just as mm-hmm. messed up as you are. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a Christmas movie itself, because, you know, we, you accept people for what they are. And I think that is very, forgive me for saying this, the Christian thing to do. Yeah. Um, unless you're a serial killer, then I don't accept you. <laughs> unless you want to kill people and slaughter, then I don't accept you. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think I have to. Um, <laughs> so, but like Die Hard, you know, Die Hard, you know, he he Hans Gruber accepts his fate. He's falling down the chimney, explosion, and um, everybody's happy. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. See, no. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. We just proved it conclusively. All right, all right. Yeah. So okay, okay, yeah. So, but I think um, any final thoughts about uh, any final thoughts about uh, Christmas Evil? You know what? I don't think so, man. I, I it, like I, again. I think this is one that you just have to watch. It's very specific with its uh, uh, with its tone and its and just everything that it does. I think you just have to really see it to believe it. Um, yeah. But it, 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 again, it was hard to find for a while. Now it's it's readily available on dvd obviously and also i bl- i think it was either hoopla or canopy i want to say i watched it on but i would recommend that anybody watch it watch it very specific this is a film that it might not seem like it watch it on a very good display big enough not mm-hmm. your phone don't watch it on your phone um watch it on at least a 50 inch screen watch it with a in a nice format if you can get yeah, it, it looks on, great if you get it on blu-ray please get it on blu-ray um, watch it and listen to the commentaries because this movie is better than you might think it is. Um, it's not yeah. a perfect film, but there's no such thing. And I, I, I genuinely love, love this, love this movie. Now I, I'm really happy yeah. you introduced me to it because um, I, I didn't realize how much I missed this sort of film grain. <laughs> like I just love it. It's like yeah, it's like I had a feeling it's like candy. It. Oh yeah. yeah, I watched it. I watched it and I was like, I got, I can't wait to tell Nathan about this. And I was like, I think I'm gonna suggest it. Um, so. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad we got to talk about it. So much, sure. so much better than Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> so, so oh, much, yeah. so League's much better. 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 Not quite as good as Garbage Day, but <laughs> there's no not quite that level. Yeah, there's no laughs a minute. No, there's no <laughs> laugh a minute here. But um, yeah. and and Santa Claus too. Like I said, I, I actually have a, a newfound respect for it. Um, I will say this: the sequels are terrible. They're not good. Yeah. Um, but the first one is good. And I recommend the Santa Claus. So it's on Disney Plus. You can watch the whole damn it is, saga. You can watch the whole saga. <laughs> yep. You can. Yep. Can't watch. Uh, uh, can't watch Christmas Evil on Disney Plus. 
No. Not imagine. yet. Not yet, though, because yeah. maybe Hulu... See, Hulu is going to be merged with Disney+. Plus. Everything is going to be merged in 10 years. But, no, they're, they're gonna actually... Be, it's going to be called, like, Disney, Hulu, Max Plus, Flicks or something. It's called Disney We Give Up. We need money, because we, we, we bet on the yeah. wrong horse. But, uh, no, they are merging Hulu and Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah, yeah. And those are, those are not compatible worlds. <laughs> On a lot of things, no. so yeah. should be interesting. No, I like yeah, I like Disney Plus. It's a, it kind of its own little vacuum, and you know we can watch a lot of the Disney stuff and the kids stuff, and we enjoy that. So I'm kind of wary about it combining with Hulu, honestly. I'll say this though, um, I actually ge- genuinely, truly, in my heart, think that Netflix is a better Disney than Disney these days. Like I think, mm-hmm. like they produce their level of crap, but like they they seem to be promoting a lot more animation than Disney is. Um, like actual yeah. like diverse animation, like not just like the same schmuck, but um, yeah. but that's not to their say TV, they're, they're their great. TV shows are not great though. This well, there's there's too much stuff. Like you know yeah. what? Like like people say, oh, I have too much. Go outside, turn it off. Just go outside, read a book. Yeah. Just you don't have to watch everything. But yeah, you do not. But you do need to watch Christmas Evil, and you probably need to watch the Santa Claus. And, yeah, definitely. And I think with that, I think it's a good time to ho 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 our way out of here. So um, once again. This has been the Movie Time podcast from popzara.com. Uh, this is Nathan Evans, managing editor. And that other other delightful voice you hear in the back has been uh, my stalwart co-host, Ethan Brem. Ethan, thank you once again. Great choices. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And for everybody, happy holidays. Have a safe, merry Christmas. Whatever you celebrate, get lots of gifts. Be very careful. And we will see everybody next year. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.